I'm Lauren. And I'm Ashley. And this, guys, is Nip Tuck Pod. We are your girl chat. We say the things you want to hear, the things that you're thinking but you don't want to say out loud. And we're all about being strong, aspirational women who basically don't give a... Uh, Lauren, anyway, if you want unfiltered chat, amazing beauty and product recommendations, then look no further, guys. This is the podcast where you will get all of the girly chat. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. They titled it Saturn Returns and Made in Chelsea PTSD. I was like, oh, gosh. I have, I have a confession, Kagi. I was the journalist. It was me. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Vicky Patterson, The Secret 2. This week, I am joined by none other than Made in Chelsea OG, reality legend, podcaster, and now author, it's Kagi Dunlop, everybody. Woo! <laughs> well, that's, that was, I lost that. What high energy start. <laughs> I love that you can just turn it on like that. It's awesome. Did you think it was high energy or did you think it was a little bit manic? Because I could easily be accused of either. I mean, potato, potato, right? <laughs> I can relate to the kind of manicness, so... It's just one of them days, last, and like I think, like I honestly am not trying to be sexist in the slightest. It would be such a terrible tone to start the podcast off with, but I feel like women would just completely take on too much in every arena, you know. And like we're wearing all these different hats all the time. And today I'm like podcast host. I'm also dog mom, and I'm trying to tidy the full house. I've got shopping to do. I've got in laws to greet tonight, and. It's too much. It is, babe. It's too much. And I feel like I just want to focus on having this wonderful chat with you because I'm so excited. But in the back of my mind, it's been like, you fucking need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do that. And I just need to breathe and concentrate It's also also the roles you have to play with it. Like you can schedule out your day. You're like, okay, I'll do that in that hour, that in that hour, that in that hour. But you're having to wear multiple hats like throughout the day. And that in itself. And I think you're right. It's women tend to do that. And we tend to kind of, say yes to things when we don't really have the space and put ourselves at the bottom of the list in terms of priorities so we'll I feel always you. come last we'll always come last I feel like oh, we just think we can do it all we're super women I don't know again I'm going to be sexist fuck it <laughs> I was getting right on me tits today this is more a reflection of him than it is men everywhere but I don't know I just don't think men like men do one thing and they do it slowly and methodically and granted they can do it well but of course they can do it well because they're not doing a million other things as well <laughs> ah well that's me rant over with it's really nice to have you oh it's so nice to be here thank you for having me on where are you cags it looks really nice is that a mic in the background that is i just realized you can see my so i'm in my flat in london and i as of yesterday i've decided that i'm going to bring the podcast studio into my home and we're now filming it so that's what you can see in the background because i'm a tourist i like i like being at home so i was like well let's just bring everything in house literally is that a tourist thing is it yeah. I just thought that are. was a woman in her 30s thing because I don't like leaving the house either. 
<laughs> I mean, it might be that too. I don't like leaving the house unless I have to. <laughs> Honestly, mate, like, I am such a miserable owl to boot. Like, I was thinking, I, it was, do you know what it was? It was Joey Essex, and he asked us to come to see him in um, Dancing on Ice on Sunday night. And, like, I mentioned at Urkan, who's obviously six years my junior and he was like oh my god that'll be amazing yeah let's definitely go and I was like let's take a breath like <laughs> obviously obviously we've got to try and find someone for the dogs like Sunday's the day where I get ready for the week ahead like are we rushing into this decision and then I had to catch myself and I was like oh my god when did you become this person who literally just doesn't want to leave a house has to plan for the week ahead fucking meal preps does a shop and like I've turned in like I've warped into me mother overnight <laughs> and also I think you know our 20s were so different but particularly your yours and mine was probably <laughs> so different that's the thing and like me in my 30s I'm like my 20 year old self would not recognize me but I'm yeah. so glad that I did change <laughs> I always say whenever anybody asks us in interviews they always go what advice would you give your younger self? And I'm like, my younger self wouldn't fucking take advice from me because she'd think I was a boring, weird, old, pale cow. Like, she'd think I was such a freak. She'd be like, who's that old, miserable weirdo? No way am I taking advice from her. And that, I just think, I, I also think when I was in my 20s, I fucking thought I knew it all. Did you not? I think everyone does because yeah. you sort of, you think... You're an adult and in many ways you are because you're allowed to do the things you weren't when you were, you know, a teenager yeah. or a child. But actually, you're not mature at all. You've just, you're allowed to do things, but you actually can't manage them. No. So, my, yeah, my 20s were all over the place. I wouldn't, I, I love them, but I wouldn't go back. Yeah, well, I often think my, like, your 20, you, you, well, people say youth's wasted on the young, don't they? And it's... It, it's quite true like you know true. I've now we've got back. to that point who'd have thought you may be like youth is wasted on me I'm <laughs> I am actually old before me time though I'm going on like I'm 60 but no I mean honestly this year I've done me backing right and do you want to know how sleeping on the fucking sofa with the puppy <laughs> That, that's, that's all sweet. it takes that's no that's that's old kaggy like i'm officially like of oh god i've slept funny and now i can't walk that's who i am <laughs> and i don't know like i just took for granted you know like going out for three days on end when i was in my 20s and then just being <laughs> able to roll into work and you know without just needing one paracetamol i i honestly if I knew everything I knew now, my twenties would be so much better. Because I don't think I'd be so hard on myself. I was cruel yeah. to myself in my twenties. Were you? So was I. Like I always say, when people say, "What's your piece of advice?" It's the only wrong step is not taking one. So I think, especially towards the later part of my twenties, I became so scared of making the wrong move because I had been quite reckless and made mistakes that I thought oh god I, I don't trust myself and what I'm gonna do and yeah. and I actually started to feel like a bit of a a failure towards the end yeah. of it like everyone else had it all figured out and because I had been quite like reckless and wild I I thought that I would never kind of get my shit together <laughs> <laughs> me honestly I can relate to that so much though like and also you feel this extreme amount of pressure as well don't you because huge pressure you're so recognized and like as being like whether it's a party girl or whether it's you know someone is like a bit flighty in relationships or whether it's like someone I was forever being like labeled like oh she's 
She's broke up with another fella. She can't make another relationship work. Here she is. Mm. I remember being on the front cover of a magazine with fucking Mario Falcone and Spencer Matthews, <laughs> me in the middle, right? <laughs> and they've picked Kagi, the shittest picture of me. <laughs> Both the lads, right? Just obviously the handsome fellas are in fucking really lovely relationships now. I'm not saying anything disrespectful, but yeah, they're like, they, I remember the lads looked really lush and they picked this one of me like walking into loose women with like my hair all over the place <laughs> and like no makeup on and probably hadn't washed my spray tan off because I was like a, a luminous. And they, it was like Vicky caught in a love triangle and all this. And I was like, you fucking dicks, man. Like I wasn't even with Mario. Like me and Spencer had had a date or something. But I just remember thinking I was being painted as this real like crazy woman who never had anything figured out and was always a bit of a, a crazy like a bit of a car crash you know yeah so I really had I put all this pressure on myself was so desperate to find the right man and settle down and be everything that everyone thought I wasn't and I rushed into the wrong things with the wrong people because of that really because the, yeah. the press are notoriously cruel towards women and especially yeah. I think the quicker your rise to fame the quicker they are to kind of push you up and then like rip you back down it's and a thing all those kind of it's a thing and all those narratives around women like in dating I mean the person that comes to mind that like, doesn't have it anymore but did have it the worst like Taylor Swift you know every time yeah. she dated someone it would be like oh another one bites the dust and like can't hold down a man whereas for a man they're like oh Lothario like look at him eternal Lady bachelor <laughs> like yeah. and it's like wait we're doing exactly the same behavior in fact that the men are probably dating more women and then we get labeled as the sort of you know oh isn't it tra isn't it tragic <laughs> she just she just can't find a man like I remember reading that about myself and being like fuck off is it not really looking like I'm having a nice time oh but you do like yeah it's 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 so sexist I mean I feel like it's a being an unintentional, you, yeah, yeah, total unintentional theme of the podcast. Um, I was saying to me, producer, before you jumped on, I was like, I wonder if Kaggy's all right to talk about Made in Chelsea because, and listen, I'm going to be dead honest, I fucking loved you on that show, Kag. Like, <laughs> I was no, I am going to be really embarrassing now and actually say, like, I wanted to be you. <laughs> I hate myself for admitting that to your face, but I just had to, and I feel like it's nice. And I, I don't mean like in a kind of wear your skin way. I'm not weird. I just mean in a like, uh, oh God, she's so effortlessly cool and all the boys want to kiss her and she's pretty naturally and I can see why and isn't she fun and don't I want to be a friend in that kind of way. That's so sweet. It, that's <laughs> really nice to hear because I, I am sometimes a bit squirmish about talking about it, but it depends who I'm talking to yeah. because I think similar to what you just said when it was press or stuff like even when I was trying to move away from the show that and I do an interview about something else <laughs> the, the title would be like Spencer Matthews ex Kaggy does and I was like wait what that's that wasn't part of the conversation and it just felt like it was kind of this thing that constantly pulled me back and yeah even though I don't regret doing the show and I had an amazing time that the irony was I I felt very and I think I just felt really uneasy in myself mm. at that time in my life and very unanchored. And because, you know, the nature of reality TV, it kind of just like makes everything more manic, you know? So if mm. you already have that in you, it just heightens the experience. Yeah. So I think for me, it was like I needed to leave to kind of find myself again. But it's always nice to hear that, you know, I 
people thought positively of me. I had someone write something the other day about the book, but then it was like, she's come a long way since the ditzy blonde we all knew made in Chelsea. And it, was a, it was a nice interview. I was like, that was a bit harsh. I don't oh, think I was that ditzy, was I? No, I don't think you were at all. But honestly, like, there's far worse things you could be described as like, fuck me, they'll always want to bring up like... They want to bring up all my arrests and that. Like, my t- in 2012, when she did X, Y, and Z, and I'm like, oh, honestly, you just need to fuck off. I've said how sorry I am for like 20 years. Can we please just forgive me? But it's um, so funny how they obviously have these things that they just, it's just really lazy j- journalism where just they're the like. descriptive terms. <laughs> yeah, and the worst the ones. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah. please stop bringing that up. I think of it as like, when people ask you about that kind of stuff, it's it probably for you is what, because it feels like this for me. It's like, it's like asking someone who they dated at university yeah. or like what they studied and then being like, so-and-so who studied this when they were at uni, even though they've had a 10-year career since. And you're like, Weird. is that really what I'm still known for? But is, that, is that how you're measuring my worth these days? Like it's yeah. insane to me. And always, oh, I mean... I don't know. I think it's a lazy narrative. It is lazy. But I guess that it's like clickbaity, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Of course. And I get it. My favorite one is always like, I'll do a post on Insta and it'll be something about like fucking helping out a food bank or I don't know, loving the skin you're in or maybe it's just me and I can on a date night, something quite vapid and normal, you know? And somebody underneath will go, I think it's such a shame you don't still speak to the Geordie Shaw girls. Oh, oh my god <laughs> the comments yeah. don't even get me started on the co- the, if we thought the I love how we're just like pulling this apart but the comments just don't, it's like the cesspit of humanity sometimes when I catch some of them I'm like oh my god oh my god what have I, what have I ever done to you <laughs> nah it, but then right so I cringe whenever I have anybody who wants to talk to me about Geordie Shaw, but then I have to acknowledge that actually... That's where you came from. Yeah, 110%. Yeah, same, same for me. Same, same. And like, I wouldn't have this lovely podcast and I wouldn't be chatting to you, having this lovely time and doing all the other nice things I get to do if I hadn't done that. So even though there are moments from that show that still, listen, I'm not even going to be hyperbolic, still haunt me. And I still mm-hmm. feel like I was too young to navigate the position I was in. All these sort of things. I do have to say, like, uh, I am grateful to it to a certain extent. And I wondered if you felt the same way. I do. And I completely agree because I think it's important to acknowledge that as an opportunity. And it was like a springboard. And so yeah. I have to watch myself, even though we've just, just <laughs> sort shit about it. We're so fickle. <laughs> But I think what it is, is because both of us have obviously changed so much Mm. since that time. And it feels like, particularly in in the UK, we tend, like, people tend to want to pigeonhole people to, like, that thing. Whereas in the US, like, we could be running for president and people be like, you go, Vicky, you go. And it would be fine. (laughs) Whereas here it's like, not everyone, but some people are like, that is the bracket that you're in. I will mm. never see you as anything else. And that particular piece is what I fa- found hard. But I realized that for a while it was, I was limiting myself as well by perhaps viewing myself in that bracket of being yeah. like, I can never do other things that I want to do because I did this. Whereas now I feel like 
that's really starting to shift. So actually, I, I view it in a much more positive way because of that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. But then it's really interesting what you're saying, and I absolutely agree with it. I think within the realms of reality TV, people are pigeonholed. You know, they want a specific person to have one specific function and that's it. So they want like a cute, like ditzy one that everyone sort of loves. They want like a fucking, they want a bitch, you know? I was going to say a sassy yeah. straight talking one and I was like, call us bitch, baby. <laughs> you were, you were the bitch. So they want a bitch. They want like a stud, you know? They want like the lovable rogue. They want, and it's impossible you're being cast yeah you are and I I get it it's it makes it easy to follow it makes it almost like a pantomime for the viewer you know and nobody wants to sit and think too hard when they're watching reality tv Jesus Christ it's not like an (laughs) episode of Animal Planet they want to relax and I think subsequently because of these like because when you're pigeonholed like this that's mm-hmm. all people, like even when you remove yourself from that space, that's all people think you are. And it mm. takes a long time to change people's perspective. If you're like, Jesus Christ, mate, in the last 10 years, I've completely changed who I am. And mm-hmm. still now, like if I go to talk on something on my Instagram, like that Kevin from fucking Barnsley thinks I've got no right talking about, like he will remind me of who I used to be to try and keep me small. You know, mm-hmm. I'll get the you are you are nothing but a slag on the telly and i think you know what kev <laughs> Fuck <think> off. <laughs> yeah first of all obviously fuck off but secondly like that narrative like it suits you you know because totally. if you fo- if you focus on actually the fact that i'm not that person anymore and perhaps that vernacular was never acceptable but if you focus on the fact that i've grown i've changed i've evolved and i do have a right to pontificate on this point now because of who i am you will realize that you haven't grown totally. and that's what's really annoying is you say that i've changed but you haven't and that makes you annoyed that's the yeah. point here I love that you've just said that because I I was thinking this exact thing yesterday and I think sometimes people, because it's so hard when someone makes these comments to you and they feel very personal, like an attack. And to a degree, like it has kept me small because people are basically saying stay small stay in your box but like you just said easier to manage for them kagi yeah and it is just a complete reflection of their own inability to grow and evolve and that and their limitation on how they see you is not a direct correlation to like your worth or how you've evolved it's just a direct correlation to how they view themselves or their own limitations they put on themselves that's it. And everyone always says, oh, you know, what anyone says about you thinks says more about them than it does about you. But that's a really, it's dead easy to say, but you know, when someone's coming for you on Instagram or like in the comment section or in the press, whatever it is, it's very hard to get your head around that because we're all yeah. only human and we just want to be liked. Yeah. And I, I th- I've always struggled with that because I've always been very sensitive. And I think it was it was much worse actually when I was on Made in Chelsea and I was the kind of person that I would read the comment and I just wasn't 
old enough to kind of process what was no. happening. And I'd read like a hundred nice comments and there'd be one nasty one and I'd only see the nasty one. And yeah. I've always kind of had that, but it's got better. But even like yesterday, because obviously now I'm going on other people's podcasts and putting myself out there a bit more in a in a way that feels much more authentic and aligned with who I am today. But there will always be people that will say, no, stay small. We don't, we don't even listen to what she has to say because of where she came from. Or, and for me, it was like often like, oh, she's privileged and I can't relate to this. So like she can shut up or whatever, but I have to recognize I'm like, then I'm not speaking for those people. And I have to kind of quiet out that noise and just focus Mm -hmm. on who I am speaking to, you know, and the people that are able to kind of actually support like where I want to go and, and see it as a, an opportunity or like to encourage them to do the same for themselves. And listen, like not everyone's going to like you or understand you. They're just, and you know, that's okay. They're not your people, Kagi. Like there is plenty of people who are rooting for you, who understand you, who like you, they're your people, you know? Mm. And we've all got people we relate to, appeal to, whatever, and people that were just quite simply don't. I used to think I could people please my way in a collective. Like, oh, honestly, mate, I was like, if I just do this or if I just wear that or if I just adopt or whatever, like everything I did I was so calculated. And then I thought, you know what? I'm fucking exhausting myself here. And these so these cons who don't like me still don't <laughs> like me. Or they're just, you're not, you're not being authentic. I completely yeah. relate to that. I feel like my whole 20s were like shape-shifting and trying to be liked and loved by everyone. I remember when people would say, oh, you can't like, you're not going to be for everyone. Not everyone will like you. And I found that agonizing. I was like, I oh, have yeah. to be liked by everyone that I meet. And my means of doing that meant that I would constantly self-abandon in all these ways that by the end of it, I was like, I don't even know who I am am. and I don't even, I don't even really like myself because I'm trying, I'm chasing my worth based on being validated by these random people and just not knowing how to kind of value myself. So that was like a big part of my journey. That resonates with me so much. And I just wanted you to know, like, I am one of, I'm one of these people who really likes you. I really am. No, I mean, you're you're fucking great. And I imagine everyone listening to this is one of the people who really likes you as well. I've got lovely listeners. They're going to think you're fab. Um, So sweet. (laughs) I am. So my relationship with reality TV is like proper changed. I've done really nice ones, you know, over the years, things like I'm a celeb and master chef, which I absolutely loved, but in its purest sense, you know, like your Geordie Shores, you made in Chelsea's year. Um, like Love Island now, you know, I still really struggle with that format, mate. And like all my pals are like, you're watching Love Island, blah, blah, blah. And I like to try and keep my finger on the pulse a little bit, you know, don't want to be too much of a granny and have nothing to talk to anyone about. But um, I struggle to sit down and watch an episode of Love Island because what I don't just see is sun-soaked, gorgeous bodies enjoying themselves in lovely locations. I see pain sometimes. Mm -hmm. I see a young girl who doesn't have the tools to navigate the situation she's in. I see boys who are sometimes, you know, treating women unkindly mm-hmm. and like exacerbating the already existing insecurities. I see a situation that has clearly been manipulated by producers and I don't relax. I don't mm. just enjoy it and consume it in the same way that I know my neighbors do when they're chatting in the group chat or my pals. I 
can't relax. I feel for them. You know, I feel like I've been there and I know it's hard and all the rest of it. And granted, my position was slightly different. I fucking never looked that good in a bikini. (laughs) 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 But apart from that, you know, like I, I just... I don't enjoy it the same way because I have this kind of, I suppose, a low level PTSD because of my experiences. And I mm. feel like I'm I'm obviously set apart from the rest of the Geordie Shaw cast in that sense because they go back, they do reunions, they obviously really love it. And I love that for them. It makes me feel a bit left out. You know, I'm clearly the black sheep there. But I wondered if I wasn't the only one in this space who felt a bit like that. Yeah, it's so interesting that you say that because actually I'm not... The same article that referred to me as the ditzy blonde also titled the article. They titled it Saturn Returns and Maiden Chelsea PTSD. I was like, oh gosh. I have, I have uh, a confession, Kagi. I was the journalist. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> but when I looked at it, I was like, oh, because obviously I say, when I said it, I was sort of saying it in jest, but it is also a little bit tr- it is a little bit true. And I, I as well don't like that format of reality TV. It was only la- last year for the first time ever I watched some of Love Island. I'd never watched it before. So I was completely out of the loop with the, the rest of the fucking UK that's watching it every night. <laughs> and I just didn't know what was going on. And I didn't really have any intention of watching it because a bit like you, it, I watch it from through a different lens. I yeah. can't, that's I good see... Way the sort of puppeteering, I, I'm aware of what the producers are doing behind the scenes. It's not as like mindless TV as it is for most people. But that being said, I think when I was doing my book last year, I just wanted something to just zone the fuck out on. And so I started watching what Selling Sunset. Which I, mean, I, was like, I, I was like I'll watch this looks like absolute crap and I'll just not get you know hooks on it and I can just zone out for like an hour and then go back to writing but then I was like oh my god when's the next episode I was so obsessed with it we've had Mary on the podcast you know have you yeah she's That's so awesome. nice she's so nice but she's so like Honestly, she's so great. She's like typically American, like very well media trained. Like when I was just fresh to all this, I used to be like, because they always used to pit us against you, didn't they? Like me and Charlie, Geordie Shaw girls, blah, blah, blah. Even though there's just <laughs> seriously no comparison. Yeah, used to, I used to be like, yeah, fuck the maid and Chelsea lot. We're far more fun on a night out. Like I would just say the most outrageous and ridiculous things because I wanted to say whatever the journalist wanted to hear. But like Mary, who's very new to the industry, was just like, honestly all the girls we do really get along they where everyone's doing their part and like there was just no hint of drama or like anything sensational at all I thought oh I remember one of the first bits of press I did this is quite funny I, I it was like <laughs> it was the cover of something I can't remember what but they'd wanted me this is really really quite but they'd wanted me in a um boxing ring and I didn't really think anything of it because a publicist was doing like the whole thing. And anyway, they Brilliant. put boxing gloves on me and put me in like a ball gown. And I was like, hey, this is random. Anyway, they then f- like superimposed Lauren. Because <laughs> she was that from, from <laughs> the only way in Essex from Towie into the same photo and then just printed it. And I was like, what the fuck? And I had absolutely no idea no consent over that and then it just yeah that was just it and it was just this weird thing as well because we just had so 
little control over like the narrative mm. that was kind of flying around we were, we it, were like you say playing a role it's like the uh, all that I'm thinking of is you saw, you know the Ronaldo and Messi picture where they were promoting um oh my god Louis Vuitton but they were both super important to it they weren't there at the same time I feel like you guys were the originals <laughs> you walked so they could run <laughs> I know. Yeah, exactly. They got that idea from us. <laughs> Stolen it straight. Heat magazine or whatever it was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, but, but the like I remember feeling like um a little bit jealous of you guys. I do. And like again, this is like not an easy thing for me to admit, but I think, you know, Towie had like the girls were all like immaculate and sort of very glamorous and had this perfect smoky eyes and gorgeous big bouncy blow dries. And, you know, that was their thing. And you guys were just effortlessly like beautiful and waif-like and sunning yourselves on some fucking luxury yacht. Whereas we always just looked like raccoons in the garage. <laughs> and I honestly, <laughs> honestly, it was so hard for us to watch you get like rimmel contracts and get given free clothes and go to fancy events when nobody fucking wanted us anywhere, mate. I remember feeling a little bit jealous of you guys. Yeah, this is all coming rushing back to me. No wonder I was so mean about you in interviews. <laughs> Well, I'm pleased we can laugh about it now, Cag. <laughs> I know, because even when I came on the podcast, like suddenly I had this flash and I was like, does Vicky hate me? Because <laughs> I think I must have had some kind of like beef memory <laughs> of something, of like something happening. But yeah. No. I've now. always been a big Caggy fan, even if <laughs> you said something disparaging about us in the press, or even if I was in that boxing ring with you. I wouldn't have known it was you. And I, I honestly am deeply fangirl, yeah. But, mate, I, I don't want to talk too much about Made in Chelsea. Like, it is quite clearly, yes, it's been a springboard, but you're so much more and it's part of your past. Um, in part two, I want to talk to you all about your brand new podcast, your amazing new book and what you've been up to now. Amazing. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.